Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm Grant, and uh, along with Sarah, I pastor this church, and uh, we're very excited that you're here. Uh, we're very excited that it's Christmas, and, uh, and we're very excited, I'm very excited, that Christmas is only one time a year. Um, I have the ability to be a Grinch, I'm finding out. I have that ability inside of me. And luckily, Sarah is, um, you know, a great elf, and she keeps me, uh, she keeps me in the Christmas spirit. But we've, uh, we've been listening to Christmas music quite a bit. And um, we've been doing, like, Christmas things and Christmas activities, and it's been very special. And, uh, but I'm very glad that uh, it wraps up um, in a few more weeks. But uh, we do love Christmas for a lot of reasons around here, and we, we are celebrating Advent. Uh, and Advent, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, as I was growing up, we, we never really did Advent, but Advent is this ancient uh, church calendar tradition where the, f- the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we, we talk about um, the, same, the same themes and the same elements across the whole church. And so, so right now, there are, there are literally millions of people studying the same scriptures. They're studying the same topic. And it's just a neat way that we can kind of center into the global church and center into to the holidays and center into to this Christmas march uh, up until it culminates with celebrating the birth of our Savior. And so we have these guides here. Uh, and if you didn't get one, please grab one. They're yours. They're devotionals. You can take them home. Uh, this began last week, and we're going to carry it through uh, towards Christmas and, uh, and then a little bit beyond. Um, in, in it, you'll have uh, scripture verses, and you'll, you'll have the scripture verse that we're walking through uh, today in there, and, uh, but there's other devotional things. Uh, in there as well. And so the theme that we're, we're taking on Advent, the, the spin that we're putting on it is that uh, Advent is, is, it means an, a notable event. And, and there isn't much more notable than the birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus uh, on Christmas. And so Advent celebrates this time. And so we're, we're coming at the, the theme of Advent because each week you walk through a different, a different theme. The first week is hope and this week is peace. And Next week is joy, and then there's love. And, and you walk through these themes, and, and we're taking on the perspective of Advent in light of the kingdom of God breaking forth on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that that began with the birth of Jesus. And so we're walking through that, and, and the power of hope, and the power of peace, and the power of joy. And it's just going to be a really fun time, and, uh, and we've, we've been enjoying it. So I encourage you to, to walk with us through that and to grab one of these, to be thinking and centering your hearts around these themes, because honestly, I mean, this is, this is a big deal if you're a part of the church. Just Christmas is more than, than probably what we accidentally make it, and, and it really is this culminating event that fuels the rest of our faith. It's, it's this amazing time that we get to think on and meditate on and celebrate. So I just invite you to join us uh, as we're doing this uh, throughout the week and, and as we gather here. Uh, so this week we are, we are talking about uh, peace. And so we're going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 13 
through 14. So if you want to go there, it's in your guide. It should be here. And, uh, and we'll be going through that as well. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for this time of year, Lord. And we just ask that you break through the holiday hurry, that you break through um, maybe the loneliness and the sadness that this time brings, that you break through the hectic pressure, uh, that you break through the family drama dynamics, that you break through all of those with your kingdom and with your spirit of peace. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So today we are talking about peace. And we're talking about peace in light of, of Christ's coming. And uh, we're talking about uh, peace that, that is available for us. I could honestly spend a year talking about peace. I think peace is one of the most underrated things that we have as believers. I think peace is, is something that the world so desperately needs. And I think that if we can come to an understanding, if we can come to a place where we can actually be in peace, I believe that the impact we can have would be dynamic. It would be uh, pretty incredible. And so, so I'm excited to talk to you today about peace. We're talking about peace in light of, um, in light of something you have as a believer. It's, it's for you. If we look here at this verse uh, in Luke, one of the things that I think is, is interesting is that it says that peace is here in the person of Jesus, and it's available for those whom his favor rests. The angels could have, have, have announced Jesus in a lot of different ways. They could have announced him as the redeemer. He, they could have announced him as the savior. They could have announced him as the warrior, as the one that conquered death, as the one that would walk on water, as the one that was changing history. They could have said all of those things, and it would have been true and powerful and meaningful, but they chose to say that he was peace, and that when he came, peace came in the world. And it's important to realize that Jesus is, is the absolute embodiment of this idea of peace. And the peace that he brings is for those on whom his favor rests. And as believers, that means us. And it's just, it's so fascinating to think about Jesus as an embodiment, as the personification of peace on earth. And when he came... At Christmas, he came as a vehicle of peace. Now, peace is elusive, isn't it? Peace is something that we hope for, that we dream of, that we talk about, that governments try and, and figure out, that, that people long for. And peace is a, is a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful notion. It, it's, it's a dream that we've rarely seen come to pass. And for, for centuries, humans have longed for peace. There's been something inside of us that know that peace, this idea of peace, though we may have never seen it, is something that we should be able to enjoy. Even in the Old Testament, in, in, in Isaiah, in chapter 9, verse 6, he says that, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. 
And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we have this host of heaven making this grand pronouncement that now peace has come. And it's in the form of Jesus. And in the context of the scriptures here, we have to understand that that this idea of peace was something that has been promised to the people of God since there was such a thing. And for the, for the Hebrews and for the children of Israel, this idea of peace is, is larger than uh, probably our idea of peace. They had a word that was shalom, and it was, it was sort of their aloha. It was their hello and their goodbye. And, and it was this, this idea that they were enraptured with, this idea of shalom, peace. But their definition of peace, I believe, is quite a bit richer than ours. And... And whereas we may see peace as, as an absence of violence or as uh, maybe an absence of conflict, their, their idea of peace was, uh, was much more intricate and complex and beautiful. And so I wanted to read you something uh, here. I, I am not, though I may appear to be, very intelligent. Um, and there are a lot of smarter more articulate, well-studied people than I. And so I found one of those, and his name is Tim Keller, and hopefully you've found him as well. One of, one of our best thinkers in the church right now. And so he has this book called Generous Justice, and if you haven't read it, go read it. It's, it's phenomenal. But he has this, he, he helps uh, a Western modern Gentile like me understand this ancient Hebrew term of peace, I think, very well. And so I just wanted to read you sort of his idea of peace uh, from this book. And and he says it like this. He says, The Bible describes the making of the world not only as the building of a house, but also as the weaving of a garment. God turned a chaos into a cosmos and also turned a tangle into a tapestry. Woven garments were long in the making and valuable in ancient times, and therefore they were an apt metaphor for the wonder and character of the material world. The sea, the clouds, the lights of the sky, and all the forces of nature are called garments that God has woven and now wears. And as a result, the world is not like a lava cone, the product of a powerful random eruptions, but rather like a fabric. Woven cloth consists of innumerable, innumerable threads interlaced with one another. Even more than the architectural image, the fabric metaphor conveys the importance of relationship. And if you throw a thousand pieces of thread onto a table, no fabric will result. The threads must be rightly and intimately related to one another in literally a million ways. Each thread must go over and under and around and through the other threads at thousands of points. And only then do you get a fabric that is beautiful and strong, that covers, fits, holds, shelters, and delights. God created all things to be in a beautiful harmonious, interdependent, knitted, webbed relationship to one another. Just as rightly related physical elements form a cosmos or a tapestry, so rightly related human beings form a community. This interwovenness is what the Bible calls shalom, of harmonious peace. It's, it's this idea of everything, every part of the earth, every part of our hearts, every part of our relationships coming together in this beautiful interdependent dance that results in this picture that's bigger than each part. That's, 
That's who this Prince of Peace is. And so when, when it says that, that the Prince of Peace has come and that peace is available on earth for those on whom his favor rests, it's talking about this kind of peace, not just the absence of conflict, but this dynamic, interwoven, beautiful peace. And the thing that's fascinating to me about that is I feel like it'd be a lot easier if it was just the absence of conflict. I feel like the idea of peace on earth would be, I think, more attainable if it was just uh, a call to lay down our arms. But, but what is actually being pronounced is, is much greater and potentially much messier and therefore much more miraculous. And when Christ came onto the earth as a peace bringer, it's, it's in other words, saying, I'm, I'm here to make the fabric right again. And, and the things that I have, this peace that I have, will rest on you so that you can begin to make the fabric right again. It's incredible. And, and, and what's even more incredible, I think, is to understand that he didn't say, and we often think he did, but he didn't say that now peace is on earth. But he said that he gave the peace to us. See, if, if his peace goes to someone that his favor is resting upon, then that means that peace would be someone who is in right relationship to him, that someone who abides in him and, and who he abides in us. And so if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've submitted your knee, if you've given your, him your life, then you are under his favor. His favor rests on you. Which then in turn means that the peace that he brought is yours. And you don't have to do anything to obtain it. But I, I think a lot of times we don't know that we have access to it. We don't understand that, that as believers, we, we literally have access to an inheritance of peace. And just like an inheritance, if you don't know you have it, it doesn't much matter how much it is because you're never going to access it. And I think as, as, as believers, we walk around without an idea that, that we have this inheritance in the bank that we can, we can access. And so, therefore, when we walk around and, and, and trouble comes, and it does, we, we just react and we go with it and then we try and muster up some courage or, or something like that, and, and it typically doesn't work that well. And I, I believe it's because, at least for me, is that I have a hard time with the realization, understanding that the peace that I, I so desperately need our family so desperately needs, and our neighborhood so desperately needs, our city, our world, is actually already in my possession. It's already in your possession. I mean, in your wallet right now is a debit card tied to a bank account full of unlimited peace. And all you have to do is begin to access it. Begin to understand that the peace that you're longing for is here. It's within reach. It's just incredible. And, and Jesus came to bring peace uh, into the world. And he gives us peace in a world full of tribulation and antagonism. 
And this life, obviously, it contains hostile people and circumstances, and, and we're going to face innumerable trials. But what we have to understand is what John 14, 27 tells us is that, is that his peace that he has, he has left with us. It's done. You have it. You don't have to work to attain it. You have peace. It's a big deal. It's bigger than you're reacting right now, but I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> so our ability to not let our hearts become troubled is actually dependent upon the peace that he has available for us. John goes on in 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 33, and he says that these things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus talking, that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We, we have the ability to have peace that overcomes the tribulation and circumstances, the trials, the sickness, the loneliness that we face in our world. We, we already have the ability to have that. Scripture, I believe, thinks peace is a pretty big idea. They think it's an important idea. And, and the idea that, that we as believers can have peace is a big deal in Scripture. And it, it talks about it over and over again. And we're going to fly through some scriptures today, and we're going to have them up here. And, um, but just as a way that I can show you that, that the writers of scripture, the authors of scripture, believed so strongly that peace was attainable. That it was, it was something, not just to be dreamed about, not just to be longed for, not just an empty greeting, but something that you could have. Romans 3.17 says that it's actually a path. That, that you actually walk down a way of peace. And so peace is, is not just something you have, but it's something that you walk in, that you walk down. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the armor of God and, and the shoes of the gospel of peace, and that peace is the way that you enter a room, and peace is the way that you leave a room, and where your feet go, peace should go. But again, only if we realize that we have peace already. Romans 8, 6 says that for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Walking down the path of peace leads to a spiritual mind. It's, it's the way that Christ thinks. is the way of peace. It leads us, it guides us. It's a big deal. It's not just a path, it's not just spiritual mindedness, but it's a promise. It's a promise that we can enter into this restful, peaceful state and to enjoy. Hebrews tells us this in 4, 9 through 11. He says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. See, here's the deal. Initially, as believers, we, we have to work a little bit to remember that we have peace. We have to work a little bit to, to remember that, that, no, 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 I sit in a place of rest. I sit in a place of peace. See, it's, it's the idea of renewing your mind. It's the idea of learning to think like Christ thought. And so if you can understand that you start off in a state of peace, that means you don't have to attain it, you just have to accept it. And once you accept it, then you don't have room for other things that come in to try and knock that peace 
out. It changes the dynamic. Instead of you pursuing peace, you're moving from peace. And so when negative and anxious and fearful thoughts come, you choose not to let those rob your peace. Instead of saying, oh, now I'm here, how do I get to peace? You say, I have peace. How do I get these things out of here? It's important because as believers, we're going to be inundated with the anxiousness, the tribulations of the world. And so often we can find ourselves consumed by stress, worry, anxiety. Anxiety about the future, stress about work, all of those sort of things. But if we realize that those things are attacking, they're, they're, they're trying to come and knock our peace out of balance, then we can understand that we can say no. That we can choose to, to put those thoughts out and rest in the peace that we already have. It's renewing the mind. Uh, it's just great quote by Bill Johnson, also someone smarter than me, who, who says that we can't afford as believers to have one thought in our heads that he doesn't have in his. We just can't afford it. And, and he doesn't have fear, and he doesn't have worry, and he doesn't have anxiety. He has peace. And so if, if we have peace, then we understand that, okay, we're, we're in a pretty good spot right now. We're abiding with him, and he's abiding with us. And if we start to have things that come and rock our peace, then the question becomes, which voice are you listening to? Which, which ideas, which thought patterns, which mind are you listening to? Because his mind doesn't contain those thoughts. His mind doesn't have room for anxiousness. It doesn't have room for worry. So neither should ours. Which doesn't mean that you're never going to have an anxious or stressful or worry thought into your brain. You absolutely are. But what it does mean is that you have a choice of whether or not you allow that thought to take root. Whether or not you allow that idea, you allow that accusation, you allow whatever it is to take root in your heart, to take root in your mind, and then it becomes a place that you're in agreement with. And so you're agreeing to the voice, I believe, of the enemy or of your flesh as opposed to the voice of your Savior. Because he only speaks in peace. And if we can learn this, if we can, if we can get this, then what we can do is we can actually obtain peace. We can, we can have it. And this is something that I think is interesting, and I, I don't think we quite understand it um, to, to, the, uh, to the full extent of what it is. Peace is something that we have. It's, a, it's almost a tangible thing. It's not just like this access of an emotion. It's not just this, this idea, but it is a literal, almost a tangible thing. And we read a couple more scriptures. Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This place of rest, this place of peace is, is a tangible thing and it's something that you can have and, and it, it's a guide for you that you can begin to understand how you, can, how you can make sure that you're listening, that you're following, that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing is that you, you begin to follow this peace, to follow the path of peace. And so there's two opportunities for you to live in. You can live in uh, an opportunity of a life of striving 
or you can live in an opportunity of a life of rest. A life of striving means that, that you believe that it's something that you're supposed to do, that you're trying to make this stuff happen, that you're trying to, to figure it out, that you're trying, trying, trying. And the, it's not a bad thing to hustle. It's not a bad thing to work hard. It's not a bad thing to try. But it is a bad thing if it's robbing your peace, if, if your confidence is in your ability to outwork or out-hustle something else, then you're, you're not listening to the right voice because what we're called as believers is to move from a place of rest, to lay that down, and to move then from that place. And operating and moving out of a place of rest keeps us from the anxiety that comes from striving. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about striving, right? Like, like sometimes you know what you're supposed to do and you just try to make it happen. That's what I do all the time. And then what we do is we put our confidence in ourselves, in our abilities, in our circumstances. We put our confidence in our bank accounts. We put our confidence in, in being able to put together a deal and whatever. And so we take back this authority that we've given to the Lord and we put it back on ourselves because it's up to us to get it done. And we're going to strive and strive and strive and we're going to wear ourselves out and anxiety and anxiousness and all of those sort of things are going to just bombard us. And the peace that we have access to, we've, we've lost our debit card. And the way to get it back is to, is to turn those over again and open our hands and say, I can't do this. I can't. I can't have any control over my life. And, and like you guys know that, right? Like we don't have any control. We think we do. But in any moment, catastrophe, disaster can happen that's completely out of your control. And we walk around as though that's not true. And so when that happens, it's this giant wake-up call. But we don't have to wait till we get to a point where a disaster happens and we're reminded that we have very little control over our lives. We don't have to do that. We can, actually, we can actually come to an understanding that, that we have no control. And it's a very freeing place to be. And it allows us to, to live in a place of rest. is to say, Lord, you do it. And when we get to that place, it's like he's just waiting there. He's saying, thank you for letting me do it. I appreciate that. I'm going to do it. And then you'll begin to see just things start to happen. It's a lesson I have to learn five or ten times a day. That that I, I will try to do things, I will try to make things happen, I will try and, and figure this stuff out, and I'll get to a point where worry begins to come in, and then I'll understand that I'm off. You know, I'm fighting with my kids and my wife, I'm, I'm in a bad mood, and I start to understand that this isn't sustainable, what's going on, and I realize, oh, I've been trying to do this on my own, whatever it is. And then I come back into agreement with the idea that that he is actually the one that does it. He's the one that sustains my breath. He's the one that's keeping me alive right now. It's, it's all him. And then I get to rest, and I get to inhabit this place of rest. That's the promise that we have, is that we can be people that live from a place of rest. I mean, I can't imagine anything more valuable right now than being able to be peace carriers where, where we walk. I mean, it's in short supply, right? We know that. We, we know that, that we, can't, we can't turn on the news. We can't go out of the house. We can't do anything without being bombarded with 
things that will very quickly rob our peace. But the best part about understanding that peace is yours and that you actually can access that peace is that if you can understand that and then you can sit in a place of rest, then you can begin to give your peace. And as believers, as the church, that, that our peace is something that, that is something that's almost a tangible thing that we can, we can give to other people, to other situations. And we talked about last week where, where Jesus calmed the storm, right? And, and, and he, he says, what's the storm? He says, peace, be still. You can't give peace if you don't have peace. And we see Jesus as the ultimate peace bringer. He is peace. And so out of his peace, out of his abundance of peace, he's able to look at a storm and say, no peace, I give that peace that I have, I give to you. And he tells his disciples when, when they're going to, to the different houses and they're going around to, to minister, he says that, hey, when you go into a place, you can leave your peace there. And then you can even decide to withdraw it. Well, that's crazy, right? It's something that we can physically leave and it will change a household. I have this idea, this thought, that it could be the reason things are so crazy right now is because the church has failed to remember the inheritance that it has. And because of that, we've failed to understand the idea that we're called to be the ones that bring peace into the world. See, when he came as the Prince of Peace, he came to give peace on those whom his favor rested. Well, that's me. That's hopefully you. And as people like that, then we can understand that that peace that he gave us is, is transferable. And so we can begin to walk out that peace in our offices, in our classrooms, and wherever, in our house. And so wherever our feet step can be transformed into a place of peace. And imagine if we really believed that, and if we understood it, and if we began to act as such. And so when we enter a place of hostility, we get to speak and leave peace into the storm. I mean, that's, that's the whole ballgame right now for us. Is that, is that when we're facing all of these things that we're facing, the goal isn't to be right. The goal isn't even to convert people. It's to speak peace, to speak peace in the face of a storm. That's the goal. And there's all of these different storms that we encounter all the time, and just like the disciples that we talked about last week that were on the boat, and they kind of missed their opportunity, I think, to, to speak peace to that storm, so Jesus got up and did it for them. Maybe if everything that we're going through in all of the different storms is just an opportunity. And so the problems that you're facing, especially relational problems, the problems that, that are unique to you that I have nothing to do with, what if it's an opportunity for you to practice leaving your peace? What would that do if we began to shift our paradigm from why is this stuff happening to me to how can I affect this? It goes back to, to our sonship and our daughtership, to, to the fact that we're priests and kings. It goes back to that very heartbeat of what this thing really is about, what Christmas really means, is that when he came, he came as the firstborn of a new creation, 
He was the second, the better, the right Adam. And when he came as he did on Christmas, then that made a way for us to walk in that same way. And as the church, I believe it's our call to continue to do so. And there's no shortage of storms. I think there's just a shortage of people that believe that they can speak peace. Because if you don't know it's there, it doesn't matter. You're not going to access it. I mean, there's people that have died broke with millions in the bank that they had no clue about. I mean, if you go online, you can search unclaimed inheritance. What a tragic thing. And likewise, I think that there are storms, there are battles, there are, there are lost victories waiting to be overturned at your utterance of peace. And the Lord is inviting us in to share in that with him because I believe I've seen it. I've, I've been a part of some of the things where, where you carry your peace in and you leave it in the room and you can change an atmosphere. You can change the direction and it really is a lot of fun. This, this Christian thing isn't all about very serious, intense, you know, life or death stuff. It can be a day-to-day fun thing where rest and joy become your constant state. I mean, what would that be like if, if our typical state of mind was joy, peace, hope, love? And like 99.9% of the time, that's where our brains were. Well, what this is telling us, what Christmas tells us, is that that is 100% available to you, to me. But you have to know it's there first. And you have to access it. You have to practice it. You have to tell the other thoughts, the other things, to leave the, the negative actions all of those sort of things, you have to begin to, to push those away, to, to practice this idea of being at rest, to practice the idea of, of resting in peace, of not thriving, of not striving, of not trying, 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 but of being. And being a person of peace, a carrier of peace. Philippians 4, 7 says that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Your peace isn't going to come from your understanding. It's actually the opposite. Your peace comes before your understanding. And so if you're waiting to have the answers, if you're waiting to know what's coming in order to then get peace, you're never going to get it. Because you have to let go of your ability to understand, your right to have an understanding on things before you can receive the peace. I feel like there's some of us that are wanting to make sense of the past. That are wanting to, to sort of figure out what happened. And, and your peace has been robbed years ago. And the things that happened in the past have stolen your peace. And before you can even think about being at peace, you have to have an understanding of why did that happen. And that's a legitimate question. It's okay to have those questions in our hearts of, God, why, why did you allow this to happen? Why did, why did those things happen to me? Those are okay questions, but I'll tell you this, 
You're never going to get peace if you're trying to understand it. But I believe you will understand it once you get peace. And I believe the Lord is calling you into a place, he's calling me into a place to relinquish my right to have an understanding of why all of that junk happened and to just receive his peace. And then what peace does is when it comes, it elevates your perspective and you're able to see, ah, isn't that interesting? And there's those of us that have held on to to things that people have done to you that were wrong. They were were terrible. And I'll I'll just make a blanket statement because I know the Lord, he hated it. And we've held on to those things and those things have kept us from being at peace because we have to understand them. And the Lord is saying, I want you to have peace first. I want you to release those things. Give them to me and I'll give you peace, the peace that you're longing for. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you we're going to pray for each other. I've got a lot of peace today. I'm a dangerous man because I can give my peace out. And we have other people that are dangerous as well. And I just really feel strongly that, that there are those that have been wrestling and battling with, with the elusive peace of mind that you just can't seem to obtain. You just, it's just not there. And it's the last thing on your mind when you go to sleep. It's the first thing on your mind when you wake up. You keep having the same arguments in your head that you've had for years with those people that have wronged you. You keep, you keep just sort of vomiting on people when those issues come up and, and you're just so hurt and angry because you just don't understand it. But the Lord is offering you peace even before you understand it. And even before you get to a place that you can let go and understand it, I can just give it to you. And we'll let the peace kind of be a primer to your own peace that you can develop. And so we're going to worship. And, and instead, of, instead of focusing on on the typical worship songs, I would like for us just to be quiet, listen to the song, but then let the Holy Spirit bring up where are those things in our hearts that we're so desperate for answers that we've allowed our peace to be robbed. And Lord, will you enter those places and will you help us to overcome those anxieties, those worries, those fears, all of those sort of things. And, and you probably can't get there like in the next five minutes of being able to release your grip on those. That, that might be a process for you. And so in the meantime, we would love to pray for you and give us, give you our peace that we have. And so you can leave here today with peace already on you. And then you can begin to understand that the peace that I'm so desperate for, the peace that has, has 
been so elusive and that, that elusiveness has kept us from entering into what we feel like we're called to do. Because if you don't have peace, you can't walk the way of peace and then so you're walking away of confusion, right? So, so peace is the key to all of it. And you have to have the peace before you can begin to walk out the call. And so there, there are things that you know the Lord has called you to do, but it, it just hasn't worked out. And I believe peace is the key to that. And so we're going to pray, Father, would you, would you come? Father, the Prince of Peace, would you come? Lord, would you spend your spirit of peace? to rest on our hearts? Would you send your Holy Spirit to begin to bring up those places in our hearts that we, we're holding on white knuckle for answers and because of which we have no peace? Yeah, those arguments that, that have stayed with us, those wounds that people have inflicted on us, those just the coldness, the absentee of those that we love, that we were looking for fulfillment. We were looking for the love that we should have gotten and we don't understand why we didn't. And we've never had peace with that relationship. Lord, would you begin to speak your peace over those places as well? Holy Spirit, would you begin to draw us So we're just going to take a little bit of time. We're going to, we're going to worship. We're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to let him put his finger on those places, those, those places in our hearts, and just be open to receive the peace that he has. And then if you would like prayer, please come forward. And we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll, we'll give you our peace. We'll, we'll come against any lies that have been spoken over you. And so if you do need prayer, come forward, and then we'll gather around you, behind you, and, and we'll pray for you. And so... We just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. For all upcoming events or more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.